You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71, where today we discuss how to help a grieving friend. Before we get into that, I have some listener feedback to share with you from episode 69, entitled, When Our Kids Go Off to School for the First Time. The first response comes from Dorcas, who is living in England, and she writes, Hey, John, I have enjoyed the past two weeks and happy for your new podcast season. This is a bright spot in the middle of the pandemic. I am wondering if I will ever get out of England. (laughs) Next response comes from Terry, who writes, Great podcast, John. I love your action step of writing a note card to parents who are sending their kids to school for the first time. Well done. And finally, there was a comment from a listener who suggested that I talk about why parents might be sad when their kids go off to school for the first time. I think it has to do with aging, just knowing that we are moving from one stage of life into the other, that there's a passage of time that is being marked by our children going off to school. It's about moving into the unknown. As much as the future looks bright and positive and we're anxious for uh, the good times that we are anticipating with our kids uh, down the road, we are leaving something behind. And that can be sad for some people. On to today's episode. We've all been there. A friend loses someone important to them through death. We care, but we don't know what to do. Today's episode is about what happened to me recently when a friend of mine died and what I did to help. Hopefully, it will give you some ideas for what you can do when you find yourself in the same situation. Because sooner or later, you will. I need to start by telling you a little bit about my friends Martin and Suzanne. They were missionaries in China where they served for 11 years. I met them at a missions conference a number of years ago. Martin is a native German, and Suzanne is from Chicago. And they met in China, where they served as missionaries. Well, when my book, Them, uh, The Richer Life Found in Caring for Others, when when that book came out in 2016, uh, Martin and uh, Suzanne heard about it and invited uh, Janet and me to come down to their home in Chicago to talk about it. Janet couldn't make it that day, so I just went by myself. And Suzanne shared similarities in her background and mine. We were both born to unwed mothers. Both of us found Jesus in college through Campus Crusade. And um, my time with her and Martin uh, that evening was just delightful. And following that, in the subsequent years, they would come up to Milwaukee, where we live, for one of the summer fest, uh, festivals that we have in our town, this one, a German fest. And it was always interesting having Martin there because he would translate the beer-drinking songs for us uh, in, into English. 
We last saw them about a year ago when they came to our home. And they invited us to come down to Chicago to do some fun things there with them. As they were leaving, we didn't know it was to be the last time we would ever see Suzanne alive again. Well, the story I'm about to share is from her husband, Martin, who gave me permission to share the story, trusting that it may help someone. And I'll start by sharing the sequence of what happened, and it begins with Martin's text. On Saturday, August 8th, at 4.32 p.m., Martin wrote the following. Suzanne, the love of my life, heart and soul of our small family, just went to be with Jesus. The machines are keeping her body going so she can donate some of her organs, likely Monday evening. Thank you for everything. Well, Janet and I were shocked at the news, and I thought, what what do I do? Well, five minutes later, I texted Martin back, and I wrote, Oh, no, Martin, I didn't know she was even ill. How terrible. I will pray for you, Serena, that's his daughter, and Suzanne's mom. I'll call you at some point in the near future after you have notified everyone. Hang in there, brother. Well, as I look back and think about what I wrote, it just seems, frankly, kind of lame. I mean, people always say that I will pray for you. They always talk about how terrible. I wish I would have said something more meaningful. But I was in a state of shock, just like Martin. It it was just stunning to to hear this news. Well, after I wrote that, uh, Martin wrote back uh, just within a minute. He said uh, she died of a sudden brain aneurysm on Thursday. Hmm. A few days later, it was a Monday morning, I received uh, another text from Martin at 5.24 a.m. And he wrote, Good morning. Serena and I, together with a friend from our church, will return to the hospital at 7.30 a.m. as Susan will go to the OR at 8 a.m. Serena wrote a statement, which will then be read by a staff member. Please remember us during this moment. Thank you. Martin. Well, apparently Suzanne had been declared brain dead early that Saturday, and they were keeping her alive until Monday to harvest her organs that she was donating. And later Monday afternoon, uh, Martin sent me the viewing and funeral information to take place the coming Friday and Saturday. Uh, Janet and I couldn't go because we had out-of-town company that weekend. Plus, they were only limiting uh, 50 people to attend the funeral. The next communication from Martin was two days later on Wednesday, August 12th. It was a text with a photo of a blackboard Suzanne kept on the wall in their kitchen. On it, she periodically wrote scripture verses to encourage her daughter Serena and Martin. The last one she ever wrote was from Isaiah 4110. And I do have a photo uh, of it in the show notes. And here's what she wrote on the blackboard So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you to help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 Martin also included a link to a GoFundMe campaign that five people from his church took on to pay for the funeral and cemetery expenses and something to replace Suzanne's lost income to help pay for Serena's college expenses next year. Martin also included the text of his daughter Serena's donor letter to the medical staff and the recipients of her mother's organs, her heart, her lungs, liver, and kidneys. I'll read you Serena's statement in just a second. But imagine this 17-year-old girl who had just lost her mother writing the following to four unknown people who would be carrying parts of her mother's body in their bodies for the rest of their lives. Well, here's what, here's what Serena wrote. Dear medical staff and recipients, when I think of mom, I think of giving. There would never be a time where she would go empty-handed anywhere. It would be, what can we bring or what would we do to make them smile? Giving to others was what she was born to do ever since she was little. She gave to others all over the world, not only with gifts, but her precious love and time. It was always her wish to be a mom and give everything she had to that little human. After a couple of years of praying and hoping, she had me. She told everyone I was a gift from God and her little miracle baby. She gave me the most wonderful life that anyone could imagine having. When things weren't perfect, she made it perfect. When things weren't okay, she somehow made them okay. Since she gifted me this life, I am gifting you all parts of her. She will carry on and live on in the lives of others. Even when she's no longer with us, she's giving and will forever be. So with that, be gentle and accept these gifts that she is giving, because she is smiling with joy. May she forever be known as the most loving and giving person out there. Be gentle with these parts of her, because these will be the best gifts she's ever given. With lots of love, her daughter, Serena. Wow, isn't that heartbreaking? Well, uh, then on Friday, there was the public viewing of her body, followed by the funeral on Saturday. And everybody was masked, and it was live stream. I, uh, Jen and I watched it. And we saved the link and emailed it to a mutual friend in Germany who was very close with Suzanne. A week later, after the funeral, I, I texted Martin and just asked if he'd like to talk. He couldn't at the time, uh, but we set a time to chat a few days later on August 24th in the evening. We talked, or should I say he talked, for about an hour. And he said things like, I, I can't believe this has happened. 
I don't know if we have any money. Suzanne took care of all the finances here in America. I did the same thing when we lived in Germany. I don't know how things work here. Do we even have any money? I I don't know. The only reason we moved to Chicago was to care for Suzanne's mother. We spent several years in Germany caring for my father before he died, and now it was going to be Suzanne's turn to care for her mother. How am I going to do this? Why would God allow this to happen? So many important questions Martin was asking. I didn't answer any of them. Our conversation ended, and later in the evening, Martin texted me with the following. Thank you for reaching out. I still remember our visit with you a year ago. And then about a week later, Martin texted me on September 3rd, late in the evening, and said the following. John, I I would like to come up to New Berlin. That's the name of our little town here, outside of Milwaukee. I would like to come up to New Berlin someday and talk to you if you are available. I I just don't know whether I can find someone to stay with with Joe. Uh, It's uh, his mother-in-law, Suzanne's mother, Josephine. I don't know whether I have someone to stay with Joe for a couple of hours unless you would be able to come to Chicago and we could talk here at our place. Just wondered, thinking about my life story and generational issues. Well, I went to bed with this on my mind, and the next morning I woke up and told Janet about Martin's text and said, I think I need to go down there. It would be so much easier for Martin. And without hesitating, uh, Janet agreed. So I texted Martin, and we arranged a time for me to drive the 85 miles down to Chicago to meet and talk. I didn't know what I would do or what I would say, except to just be there with him and listen, and then to take it from there. No plan except to just listen. So my answer to the question and title of today's podcast of how to help a grieving friend is this. Just show up, be present, and listen. Now in next week's episode, I'll tell you more what happened when we met and what I learned from my grieving friend that could help you the next time one of your friends goes through grief. If you forget everything else, here's the one thing that I really do hope you remember from today's episode. It's this. God is at work in the lives of our friends, and there are times, especially the difficult times, when we have the privilege of being used by God to be part of that work. It pleases and honors God when we accept the invitation to be part of the story that he is writing. And it starts with just showing up and listening. Well, what can you do in response to today's show? When someone you know is going through loss, be part of God's story of working in their life. Be open to the possibility that God may want you to join in the journey of grief your friend is going through. Ask God what role he wants you to play 
he may not want your significant involvement at all, but he would at least like you to ask him. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. And by the way, did you know this podcast and our blog posts are sponsored by Caring for Others, a missionary care ministry? It's through this organization that we first met Martin and Suzanne. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show, both to reflect and and to act, so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now for our relationship quote of the week. In my book, Them, I wrote about our daughter's friend, Kelly, who lost her child within hours of birth. One year after this tragic loss, Kelly posted the following quote on Facebook by Ralph Fletcher from his book, Fig Pudding. It goes like this. When someone you love dies, you get a big bowl of sadness put down in front of you, steaming hot. You can start eating now, or you can let it cool and eat it bit by bit later on. Either way, you end up eating the whole thing. There's really no way around it. Hmm. I find that rather profound. Anyway, well, that's all for today. See you next week. Goodbye for now.